Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for standing by. Welcome to Energex Renewable Energy's 2023 Quarter Results Conference Call and Webcast. Bienvenue à la conférence téléphonique et à la web division des résultats du troisième trimestre 2020 d'Energex Énergie Renouvelable. At this time, all participants on the phone and the internet are in a listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session for analysts and institutional investors, and instructions will be provided at that time for you to queue up for questions. If anyone has any difficulties hearing the conference, please press star followed by zero for operator assistance at any time. I would like to remind everyone that this conference call is being recorded. I will now turn the conference over to Karine Vachon, Senior Director, Communications. Please go ahead. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'd like to specify that this conference will be held in English. Members of the media are invited to ask their questions by phone after this call. A presentation supporting today's discussion is available as we speak on the homepage of our website at www.energex.com. This call contains forward-looking statements within the meaning of applicable securities laws. Although the corporation believes that the expectations and assumptions on which forward-looking statements are based are reasonable under the current circumstances, listeners are cautioned not to rely unduly on these forward-looking statements as no assurance can be given that it will prove to be correct. Forward-looking information contained herein is made as at the date of this call and the corporation does not undertake any obligation to update or revise any forward-looking information, whether as a result of events or circumstances occurring after the date hereof, unless so required by law. During this call, we will refer to financial measures that are not recognized according to international financial reporting standards. Please refer to the non-EFRS measures section of the MDNA for more information. Our speakers today will be Mr. Jean-François Neau, Chief Financial Officer, who will present Q3 results, and Mr. Michel Etelier, President and Chief Executive Officer, who will review our operational highlights. I now turn the conference over to Mr. No. Thank you, Karine. Good morning, everyone. Our third quarter results posted growth over the same period last year, mainly due to the commissioning of the Phoebe Solar Project and the Fort City Wind Project last year and to the contribution of the Salvador and Montaner acquisitions completed in May and July this year. Production and revenues in the quarter were up 21% and 14% respectively compared to the same period last year. Adjusted EBDA was up 1% while revenues proportionate and adjusted EBDA proportionate were up by 14% and 6% respectively. 
Before going further, I would like to stress that the comparable period in 2019 is still reported on a continued operation basis, which excludes HSRK results. Production for the three-month period ended September 30, 2020, was 21% higher due mainly to the factors mentioned previously and to higher production from the Quebec hydro facilities and the hydro facilities in BC that were not affected by the curtailment. These items were partly offset by the curtailment imposed in BC Hydro for five hydro facilities. On page 9, revenues were up 14%, mainly explained by higher revenue from the Quebec hydro facilities, the contribution of Ford City and Phoebe, and the acquisition of Montaner and Salvador. These items were partly offset by lower revenues from France and the facilities in BC due to a combination of BC hydro curtailment and lower average selling price. On the next page, adjusted EBDA increased by 1% due to the contribution of the recent acquisition in WIN and the commissioning of Phoebe and Port City, as well as to higher contribution from the Quebec Wind and Hydro facilities due to higher revenues. These items were partly offset by a lower contribution from the hydro facilities in BC and lower contribution from the wind facilities in France due to lower revenues and higher operational expenses. The 6% increase in adjusted EBITDA proportionate is mainly due to the PTCs generated by the Ford City wind farm following its commissioning, higher revenues and lower operating costs at the Shannon and Flattop facilities, and higher revenue at the Dukey and Toba Montrose facilities. These items were partly offset by a lower contribution from the facilities in Chile and the Jimmy Creek facility due to lower revenue, partly caused by the curtailment in BC Hydro. Continuing on page 12, the 42 million increase in long-term debt is mainly due to the 171 million Hillcrest construction loan and tax equity bridge loan, the 172 million long-term loan facilities assumed in the Montaner acquisition, and the strengthening of the U.S. and Euro against the Canadian dollar. These items were partly offset by the net repayment of $238 million of the corporate credit facilities from the proceed of the investment made by Hydro-Québec, and scheduled principal repayment on long-term debt, as well as tax attribute allocation. On the next page, Changes in the total assets stem mainly from the increase in property plant and equipment due to Hillcrest and the Salvador and Montaner acquisition, the increase in investment tax credit recoverable relating to Hillcrest, the increase from the construction activities related to the Griffin Trail wind project, and the strengthening of the U.S. and Euro against the Canadian dollars. Change in total liabilities stem mostly from the increase in long-term debt. The change in shareholder equity 
is explained by the private placement of 34.6 million shares from Hydro-Québec and an increase in non-controlling interest stemming from the Montaner acquisition. These items were partly offset by dividend declared on common and preferred share. As shown on the next slide, the free cash flow has decreased by 5 million on a trailing 12-month basis. The unfavorable variance in free cash flow is mainly due to the commencement of the repayment period on certain project financing, which were not in full effect in the comparative period, an unfavorable impact of the adjusted EBDA proportionate stemming from the BC Hydro imposed curtailment during 2020, a decrease in free cash flow attributable to discontinued operation, including the recovery of maintenance capex expenditures following the sale of HSRCA in the second quarter of 2019, and lower generation due to unfavorable weather conditions. These items were partly offset by the timing of certain project loan interest payments, which resulted in the corporation having made five quarterly payments during the comparative period, and the free cash flow contribution of the recently acquired commission project and lower interest payment from the corporate revolving facilities concurrent with the Hydro-Quebec private placement. Energec does not consider the 96 million to represent the current cash generating capacity of its operation. When normalizing its free cash flow with the non-recurring curtailment imposed by BC Hydro, the increase in the quarterly dividend following the Hydro-Quebec private placement offset by the decrease in corporate revolving interest payment following the Hydro-Quebec placement, we would have reached a free cash flow of around 100 million. For the trailing 12 month ended September 30th, 2020, the payout ratio amounted to 124% of free cash flow, compared with 93% for the corresponding period last year. When normalizing with the item mentioned before, the corporation estimated its payout ratio to be closer to 100%. On a forward-looking basis, we are confident to remain around or little above 100% over the next 12-month period. Finally, on next page, we are proud to announce that we have closed a 93 million construction and long-term credit agreement for the Inevic hydroelectric project. The construction term loan bear interest at 3.95%. Following completion of construction, the remaining balance of the aforementioned loan will be converted into a long-term loan bearing the same fixed interest rate and maturing 40 years after the facility reach COD, which is scheduled in December 2022. On that note, I will give the floor to Michel for the operational review of the past. Well, thank you, uh, Jean-Francois, and welcome, everybody. First and foremost, I'd like to uh, make a, a, a good thank you to all our employees and also our business partner that uh, have uh, helped us through their dedication and uh, adaptability during this uh, pandemic to keep our plant operating and our construction and pipeline of development uh, going. Uh, we've been innovative in our approach and also uh, 
uh, we have been uh, successful to keep our working uh, uh, space uh, being safe. So thank you to all and um, tip my hat to all our uh, leadership uh, team to have been able to keep uh, the, this, uh, uh, this business uh, going the way we have in this uh, challenging time. And uh, our uh, thought also goes to uh, other that are a little bit more unfortunate in their, uh, in their businesses. So on that aspect, uh, we also have, uh, given the fact that we have seen the second wave being strong, uh, listened to the uh, government uh, uh, guidelines, and we have uh, uh, kept our working from home uh, policy until next spring, and we'll monitor, of course, uh, the evolution of the, uh, the pandemic. Glad to see that uh, the vaccine uh, uh, evolution are going well, uh, but of course, uh, we have to be patient uh, while this vaccine will be distributed, and hence our, safe, uh, our uh, safety comes first, so uh, we will be, uh, be on the forefront of uh, the new uh, policy or government policy. So thank you all for being uh, so dedicated, and uh, I'm very proud of uh, all the team and see how we have been able to advance. Uh, we, in the same thought, we uh, we have been also to be active in our construction, our line of development. I'll talk about it, but we also have been uh, able to close on acquisition. Uh, glad to report that we have done two so far this year. Remember Salvador in Chile, and most recently Montaner uh, Wind Farm in Idaho, USA. Uh, th those two transactions are the type of M&A. Uh, that Enerjix is, uh, is um, uh, aiming at. Uh, as we said in the past, I think that m will be a great tool for us to rebalance uh, our portfolio of, uh, of, of activities and, and, uh, and uh, plans to basically rebalance the cash on cash uh, that uh, you know that we have our payout ratio that uh, is a little bit of a, of a challenge. We want to make sure that uh, this payout ratio becomes uh, less comfortable. Uh, we have said that uh, we're looking to have a payout ratio below 100%, and we want to continue developing uh, also. So M&A will be a good tools uh, to rebalance uh, the equilibrium between our own development uh, greenfield project, especially the one that have uh, tax equity, as you know, a little bit more cash-on-cash uh, cash, uh, uh, towards the uh, little bit longer term. So if we can find M&A uh, to rebalance this cash-on-cash uh, cash in the early years, uh, this is our strategy. And I think that we have started to, de to deploy it and we are still focused on, on doing this. So I think that uh, on the long run, we'll have uh, a better uh, approach on the, our cash on crash and, and, and development of, uh, of projects. <clears throat> so pretty, uh, pretty happy on this. And uh, the team, the m and team is focused to find other, uh, other transactions in, uh, in that type. In terms of construction, we've been pretty, uh, pretty busy also this year. As you know, we are uh, working in Elkrest, uh, getting very close to uh, the closing. 
very happy to report also that we have made the first uh, funding on tax equity. For people that know uh, tax equity, this is not a, a, an easy task thorough in their approach, and uh, the team uh, has been able to uh, answer all the questions from uh, the different uh, um, uh, stakeholder in this uh, in, in this approach so pretty happy on, on that aspect so it's behind us and we are continuing putting a section of our uh, power plant in uh, in service uh, we have eight uh, eight blocks that we have to complete so so far one is done meaning interconnected and, and fully operational and roughly we'll have one every two weeks or so. So theoretically, we should, uh, we should be very close to have six or seven uh, blocks by the end of the year, and the remaining at the beginning of uh, 2021. So we will be selling electricity in the next uh, couple of weeks, and it will be a gradual uh, uh, COD in phase as we interconnect uh, those blocks. Uh, Inavic uh, project is going very well. As you know, we have been able to go back uh, this year, uh, even if the COVID uh, was uh, in place, and happy to report that everything has been going very well on Inavic. And as Jean-Francois has mentioned, we have now finalized the uh, construction financing and long-term financing. Uh, you will see in the future that uh, this financing is a little bit different. Uh, it's, uh, it's something that we'll be looking into somehow of, uh, of a reverse mortgage for the first five, six years. The ability of the project to support the debt is really high. So we were able to restructure a little bit this, uh, this financing and hence this will generate or free uh, almost 100% of the EBITDA to be distributed to partner in the first five uh, to six years. So this is uh, fairly innovative financing that we're putting in place uh, as well to promote the, uh, uh, the availability of cash on cash for the partners. Uh, the Yon project in, uh, in France, that's the extension of uh, an existing park. As we know, uh, it's not a big project, but uh, as I said before, this is the uh, first project from the team in France from uh, Greenfield to construction. So hopefully it's not the, uh, the last. As you know, we have a very uh, um, aggressive uh, development in France for, the, for our pipeline. I'll talk about it uh, just a little, uh, little later. So we are still uh, counting on a COD by, uh, by the first uh, Q1 uh, of 2021 although we might be surprised to see, but uh, depending on the pandemic and the restriction in France, uh, that's why we're cautious and, and call it for the uh, first, uh, first quarter of 2021. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, Griffin Trail project uh, has been going uh, very well. This project, as you know, has uh, been, uh, been developed very, very, very fast. Uh, and we have been able to secure the EPC contractor and the GE supply for the wind turbines. Uh, this is the same team that has done Ford City, uh, and they work uh, very well together. Bladner is a very uh, professional uh, uh, contractor in the U.S. They have a lot of experience in building uh, wind farm, 
so far we're very pleased on how they're approaching the uh, uh, the project and very confident uh, to uh, have this uh, plan being in commission by the uh, uh, third quarter of uh, 2021. Also, we have been able to secure the interconnection uh, to be before the uh, blackout period in the ERCOT. So as the uh, wind farm will be erected, we will be able to sell electricity to the, uh, to the market uh, as early as uh, June, probably. So that uh, covers the construction. Now, the development activities have been also uh, quite active. Uh, even though we are facing this uh, pandemic, our team has found ways to uh, make public uh, public meeting, uh, virtual public meeting, and being very creative in their approach to uh, engage with uh, all the government agency in order to advance our permitting. So very happy to report that uh, things are going well in Hawaii. Uh, we have been also uh, been able to sign two PPA. And this, as you know, is uh, a vector of growth that uh, we think Kinergex will be successful in. Uh, producing renewable energy, matching it with batteries, is uh, definitely a sector of our industry that uh, will see a big, uh, big growth in the future. So these projects are a very good example, and uh, it's provide us uh, with a lot of experience on how to deal with uh, with the utility and how do we uh, are integrating batteries uh, in the uh, these utility. That uh, that being said, we are also counting on our joint venture with Hydro Quebec to uh, further develop this sector, uh, given the fact that Hydro Quebec has a lot of experience and good people in order to help us understand the need of uh, utility and hence being able to deploy uh, this strategy going forward. In terms of, uh, of uh, general uh, uh, development, as you know, we are putting a lot of uh, uh, effort in the U.S. Uh, maybe uh, I guess that uh, I can have a word uh, regarding the U.S. election, not that I want to get into politics at all, uh, but given the primary um, result, uh, we think that uh, the Democrat uh, or Joe Biden will be, well, don't want, again, don't want to do politics, but it seems that we will have a Democrat president in the United States. Uh, so therefore, we are pleased, uh, given the fact that uh, their program are very pro-renewable uh, energy, and therefore, we think that uh, our strategy to get into the U.S. was a good one. Uh, even though we have had some success with the prior uh, administration, we think that uh, Mr. Biden has, I would say, more um, hmm, uh, more views on uh, putting uh, a growth in renewable energy in the United States. So therefore, we are uh, glad to have our team on the ground and our policy, not policy, but our strategy to grow a solar project in the States. Remember that we have a target of around 600 megawatt by 2023 is uh, on track. Uh, we want to diversify it also uh, outside air costs, so we're very present in uh, PGM 
and in the Northwest as well, in other in the uh, uh, in the United States, in order to uh, deploy the uh, panel that we have secured. Remember that we have a little bit over 100 megawatt of uh, solar panels that are grandfathered for a full ITC uh, grant. So this is going very well. Uh, we're still on track to have that target uh, by 2023. France, as I mentioned uh, early on, is uh, doing good in the sense that uh, our uh, pipeline is growing. Now it's over 350 megawatt, of course. Uh, these pipelines are staggered uh, in, uh, in, uh, in their maturity of development. But the idea there is to have one or two projects by, by uh, 2021 or 2022 to be able to put forward for a future RFP. As you know, France has announced very aggressive future RFP for wind and solar uh, in, uh, in the coming years. So we want to make sure that we have a pipeline that can match uh, these uh, future RFP. And we have grown also the team of development in, uh, in France so that uh, uh, our people can uh, uh, come up with uh, new projects uh, for the future. The, Chile, uh, the Chilean market is also very interesting in the sense that uh, even though we, we're seeing a slowdown in the demand uh, in Chile because of the COVID, uh, Chile has been hard, uh, hurt pretty, uh, pretty bad with, uh, with the COVID. But, uh, one of the strength of the economy of uh, Chile is the ability to export raw material and mainly uh, copper. And if you have seen the, the price of copper lately, uh, given the fact that China seems to be doing uh, very well in terms of recovery, uh, the copper pricing has been going up. And it's uh, one of, uh, well, I would say, uh, getting to uh, range where it's very profitable to produce uh, copper in South America. So we're seeing a lot of activities uh, over there in the mining that uh, are promising. And one thing that uh, is very interesting in Chile, uh, the lower house of uh, the government in Chile has voted to uh, have uh, a regulation to cancel any coal plant by 2025. Mind you that that, that uh, law has to go through Senate, which might have been, uh, which might uh, be tampered a little bit. But the movement to cancel uh, coal in Chile is growing, and uh, remember that Chile has about 30% of its energy coming from coal. So we think that uh, we will see some opportunity in Chile in the next uh, few years in order to replace uh, the coal that will be shut down. So on uh, on that note, I would open up uh, the uh, question period. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a question, please press the star followed by the one on your touchstone phone. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. Your questions will be polled in the order they are received. Please ensure you lift the handset if you are using a speakerphone before pressing any key. Your first question comes from Nelson NG of RBC Capital Market. Please go ahead. Great, thanks, and good morning, everyone. Um, good morning. My, my first question relates to uh, Griffin Trail. Um, can you just talk about the, like, how should we think about the project cost to uh, EBITDA multiple and the, the expected returns for that project? 
Yeah. Um, as you know, Griffin Trail, for the time being, has been developed as a, a merchant plan. That doesn't mean that we would not be looking to have a long-term contract with the potential uh, off-taker if the price uh, makes sense. Uh, on, on that aspect, we have now a small team, but a team of uh, uh, specialists in, um, in, in well, I would say in trading and marketing uh, energy in the, U in the USA. So I think it will be better equipped also to reach out for a customer uh, on that basis, but that uh, that might come in, in the future. Um, we're still, I would say, um, uh, positive about the uh, future market in ERCOT. Um, one thing I was uh, I was happily uh, surprised to see is the price of natural gas that is coming up in, in the United States, even though we are in the shoulder season. We've seen uh, natural gas uh, coming from their bottom of uh, on, you know, maybe a, a dollar fifty, a dollar sixty per gigajoule to now close to three dollar, and it uh, last week it went up to three fifty or three forty. So this is giving a little bit of a hope also on the minimal cost to produce uh, electricity in uh, in uh, a merchant plant. Uh, uh, scheme in the USA. Uh, I think that uh, one of the aspects of the pandemic has to some degree slowed down the fracking for oil. And as you know, uh, natural gas is sometimes a byproduct of that activities. And we, we have seen uh, uh, less activities, of course, for, for fracking for oil, so potentially less uh, really cheap natural gas being uh, Deployed in the marketplace, so that gives us a little bit of a of a relief. But I would say that our long-term forecast, we are looking at uh, some curves uh, that uh, are not taking into account uh, uh, carbon pricing, and so therefore, something around in the twenty-dollar range is uh, is uh, is probably uh, conservative. Mind you, that we have also the uh, the PTC. So if you if you take the PTC at uh, twenty uh, twenty five dollar uh, indexed plus something around in the range of uh, twenty dollars uh, on average, you 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 still have a decent total revenue for that type of a project, uh, uh, Nelson. So um, as far as the total return of the of the project, it will definitely depend on the evolution of that curve. But we're hoping to to do a type of project. This type of project, we we're aiming to the high single digit and possibly double digits, depending on how fast the curve will evolve. And if Biden uh, gets in and put some more uh, pressure on pricing for carbon, then these type of project may see some benefit from uh, from those policy. Mr. Biden said that he will uh, rejoin the uh, Paris Accord. So, in order to you know, to follow through this, somehow, somewhere, a price on carbon will have to be established uh, in the USA, and these type of projects will benefit from it. Okay, thanks for that. So, so, you mentioned that the 
Yeah, it looks like your EBITDA assumption or your underlying assumption for your EBITDA forecast for Griffin Trail is about $20. Like if you were to contract or enter into a hedge for that project, where is the market price uh, today? It's I presume it's uh, a little bit below 20, like similar to to Ford. Yeah, it's a little bit below. It's it's anywhere between 13 to 18. You know, it depends uh it depends on the location, depends on the uh, the expectation of uh, of the market, but uh, that's why we we said that uh, we better take a chance to be merchant. That uh, that aspect uh, is a little bit uh, unusual for us, and I'm not saying that uh, we'll do this uh, every uh, for every project. Uh, but given the uh, the I would say the uh, disconnect between uh, PPA and merchant. Merchant pricing. Um, I think that it's a good bet to stay uh, floating for the time being and see how things are going to to be. But like I said, with Biden coming in as a president, uh, as as a new leadership, I think we'll see uh, a little bit uh, uh, potential on on uh, on carbon pricing, and, and therefore uh, we think we're a little bit more optimistic uh, these days than. Uh, than six months ago on that aspect. Okay, got it. And, um, and, and Nelson, Nelson, just to clarify also, if you're trying to make an EBITDA multiple on that project, Griffin Trail, I remind you to use our proportionate figure, which includes the PTCs. Uh, that is very important. I want to remain uh, to remind you that PTC serves to pay down the tax equity investment. So in fairness, in order to have a proper uh, multiple on that project, you need to add back the PTC value, which is uh, around 28 million Canadian dollars to yeah. the 9 million. Yeah, because we we now, as you as you know, Jean-François, maybe you can explain a little bit better for 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 our crowd, is that uh, we do now book that as a debt. Uh, the tax equity is a, a almost a project debt for us. So with the uh, PTC revenue, we are offsetting that liability in our balance sheet. So it's uh, it's uh, definitely we see that as a total revenue PTC plus uh, the revenue on the uh, on the market, and those revenue help uh, decrease the tax equity over time. Yeah. Okay, got it. And then just uh, moving over to France, uh, it looks like the. Temporary shutdowns at two facilities uh, continued on from from Q2. Um, can you give some color as to um, uh, what those shutdowns relate to, and will they uh, carry on into Q4? Well, the, the, we had two events of uh, a wind, uh, a blade um, uh, failure, and and. Those two blades happen on, on one wind facility, but we have the same technology with the wind park just uh, beside it. And the agency in France uh, being very, uh, I would say, uh, conservative, have asked us to shut down both uh, plant until we could see uh, a, a long-term plan or long-term solution provided by Vestas. Now, we have had the possibility to 
restart those wind farms with some curtailment uh, uh, process, meaning that uh, we wanted to go progressively. Uh, that was the plan ex uh, accepted by the uh, uh, French uh, government agencies. Uh, but so far, it has been proven uh, that um, the, uh, I would say, the, the new strategy has worked. And since mid-August or so, uh, the plant now are free to operate, except in a couple of uh, uh, special occasions where wind and, uh, speed and direction would happen. Uh, but this is temporary because theoretically we are going to implement a uh, upgrades uh, or repair uh, in the uh, in the blades to reinforce them. So it shouldn't uh, it shouldn't uh, uh, be uh, that way for the long term uh, until we have uh, the upgrade on the on the blades, uh, perhaps uh, until per, uh, probably next year. But the lost revenue will be fairly low, uh, considering that uh, it's only a, a few occasions where we will have to uh, apply this uh, curtailment. All right, thanks for the color. Um, I will uh, leave it there and give others to ask questions. Uh, give others a chance to ask questions. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Your next question comes from David Crisida of Raymond James. Please go ahead. Thanks. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, my First question here, um, just on, the, on your solar business and development goals in the U.S., I'm wondering how, um, with, with the new government uh, coming in, um, how could changes uh, or, or, I guess, reduction on the solar panel tariffs affect that business, and, and do you see potential for a change or extension or modification as a tax credit, and, and is that something that you're starting to plan for? Difficult to know because, as you, uh, as you, well, we'll we'll know by uh, I guess uh, mid-January uh, if the Senate is uh, has gone into a majority of Democrats. Uh, but in general, PTC and ITC has been supported by both parties. Um, as you remember, the PTC were to be uh, well decreased. Uh, by 2020 and, and ITC by 2022. Uh, so I think that um, the new administration might revisit that, might make some extension on uh, on those. We don't know, uh, but uh, that's that's one possibility. Um, in terms of uh, duty on um, solar panel coming from China. Uh, we'll see how Biden's uh, strategy will be. Uh, if they if they if they get uh, relief on those, it's only good for the industry in the sense that uh, if it lowers the uh, the price of uh, those panels, our industry will benefit from it. So that might be positive. But on the other end, uh, the market in the U.S. had somehow. Uh, Adapted to to those uh, duty and either way we're comfortable with it. Um, we did bought uh, some some uh, some panel of course, uh, but it's it's only 115 120 megawatt worth of panel that would uh, uh, secure uh, roughly 600 megawatt worth of project if we apply a certain ratio. Um, 
so if we get to have some benefits in uh, seeing some panel being reduced, we'll, we'll benefit from, uh, from the balance of those uh, 600 megawatt uh, panel supply. So either way, we would be happy with, uh, with the solution. But I'm, I, I think that uh, uh, the Biden administration will, uh, will put more pressure on carbon pricing, which ultimately uh, could help also seeing some green credit uh, uh, revenue on, on those uh, type of projects. Great. Thank you for that. Um, and then maybe just one more um, in the U.S., um, I understand that, that New York, uh, the state of New York, has signaled uh, an increased openness to uh, renewable energy imports. I'm curious if you have uh, any development stage projects in Quebec uh, that could maybe move forward uh, to satisfy that potential demand, or, or, or if you could maybe get involved uh, in some kind of a project with Hydro Quebec, um, if, if that were to, uh, you know, be a possibility. Sure. Uh, that, that's one possibility. We, we, we do, as uh, other developer, uh, we do have some project in, uh, in Quebec that could uh, be useful to export. Uh, and we also have some project in New Brunswick, some greenfield project in, in New Brunswick that we could theoretically uh, uh, build for export as well. So this is definitely something that uh, we are uh, looking into. And Hydro-Quebec has, in the past, uh, been open to uh, make some kind of a, of a, of a, I wouldn't say joint venture, but uh, provide the wind project with the support of uh, Big Hydro in order to be firm energy uh, being sold in the U.S. Uh, that's also something that we could uh, undertake uh, as well. But all that is good news, actually. Uh, the more... Uh, uh, the more energy uh, we could export from uh, from Quebec to uh, to uh, U.S. would free up some uh, some room in Quebec for future development. Excellent. Thank you very much. Um, I'll get back in the queue. Thank you. Your next question comes from Sean Stewart of TD Securities. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. Um, question on the the Frontera project. Um, I know it's it's been under review uh, for some time now. Any update you can give on advancing that project? I, I see you've taken it off the the schedule. Um, any any update on Frontera specifically? That's a good question. Um, working on on one strategy to have uh, Frontera being secured in terms of, um, of uh, permitting deadline, uh, we are advanced to a point where, by definition, this project could have been seen or could be seen by government agency to be already under construction and hence um, would not be subject to uh, time frame for the duration of uh, all the permits. So this is a it's it's one way that uh, local management are um, working on, and if successful, that takes a little bit off the pressure for us to um, uh, to start uh, well to 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 continue the construction because theoretically the construction could have been defined as a as a start. Uh, so that gives us a little bit more time. 
to negotiate uh, financing and to uh, to look for an off-taker. Uh, and some uh, discussion have been uh, initiated to uh, find potentially an off-taker slash partner in the project to to develop it. And in the meantime, we, as uh, as, as you might have remember, we have another um, project. Uh, a few kilometers upstream called San Carlos. And San Carlos uh, was a project on, on a Yaima, and some water rights was also owned by Colbun, a local uh, utility. Uh, and we bought those uh, water rights. So now San Carlos uh, could uh, basically merge these two water rights and have a project in around 150 megawatt that have more um, uh, pounding capacity, so uh, storage uh, uh, would be around five to six hours. And this project is a little bit more cost efficient than, than Frontera. And so looking into those uh, two as a potential, um, I would say, portfolio to attract uh, local uh, local partner slash uh, off-taker in, in this project. So. Uh, it's not done, uh, far from it, but uh, it, it seems that uh, those two together are a better uh, a better um, proposal, economic proposal than Frontera by itself. Thanks for that detail. Um, second question: the 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 two 25-year PPAs you signed in Hawaii recently. Can you give us some idea of what those terms might look like? What do you mean, uh, the price or, or the? I, I, as you remember, those the, those PPA in uh, in Hawaii are more of a, I would say, a capacity payment. We are translating it into uh, into a price per megawatt, but ultimately, what we get is a, a an annual payment, well, a monthly uh, payment for availability of the total installation. Uh, but the pricing, have we published the, price, uh, the pricing or ECO has, has right? ECO has don't made the pricing. So there's one that is a little bit below 10 cents, the equivalent of uh, megawatt per hour, and the other one is a little bit higher than, than 10 cents. Um, so a little bit all overall, I would say if, if you want to make to, to, to comment, um, Given the fact that Hawaii is uh, quite costly to build, these are fairly fairly competitive uh, pricing when you uh, consider the size of those projects. And this is giving me a lot of uh, confidence that uh, these type of projects can be done on the main island or, 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 or in the United States or in Chile and become very competitive down the road as we see battery uh, also price being uh, being uh, or reduced uh, in the next uh, few years. So all in all, I think that uh, these projects are are interesting in the size, but they're not they're not big. But what we like is that we get to have a 25 years PPA, and uh, that that give us the the chance to um, uh, to work this. Uh, this new field and to understand also the interaction with uh, the need 
uh, of the utility on how to manage the solar, how to manage the, the battery, and how it, it works uh, together. So that's roughly it. It's a little bit below 10 and a little bit higher than 10. Okay, but think of it like a capacity payment structure. Yeah, it's more, yeah. Oh, it's, it's an implied it's, calculation, yeah. 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 yeah, got it. Okay, uh, that's all I had. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from Rupert Mera of National Bank. Please go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, Rupert. Tell me, how are you thinking about the, the dividend and the payout ratio right now? You, you mentioned it could be close to 100% for the next 12 months. Is that with a, uh, a typical dividend increase? And, and then looking at your longer-term forecasts, uh, how long before you can bring that down to a, a more comfortable level, given your your pace of, uh, of development? Yeah, well, I, I will not comment on the, on the dividend increase for next year. That's a, a board uh, prerogative. But, but definitely, like what I said, Rupert, at the beginning, uh, we want to grow. And, 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 of course, there's... Um, there's a lot of uh, activities going on, and, and and whenever we invest in the in a greenfield project uh, with the construction and then permitting period, uh, and depending on the type of uh, project we get, uh, the it, they're not necessarily cash friendly in the sense that uh, cash on cash on those uh, greenfield projects are a little bit uh, back ended. Not necessarily really bad in, in the sense that when they are in operation, but when you develop them, you have to build uh, them, so you are putting a little bit of uh, capital up front, of course, and it takes uh, at least two to three years before you get to, to have some, uh, some capital back. So our strategy of mixing M&A uh, with our own development um, is going to, uh, to help, and depending on how we have success, and, and I think we've shown that uh, our m and team is, uh, is very capable by, uh, uh, by the two acquisitions we did uh, last year, Salvador and, Mont uh, and uh, Montaner, thank you. We think that we can do that every year at least, you know, one or two uh, type of uh, transaction like that. If we're successful in this, uh, our payout ratio will be declining uh, pretty uh, pretty fast, and as the project, the greenfield project that we're developing, are getting uh, in COD, so we're confident in the next uh, two three uh, years uh, we'll manage our uh, payout ratio in a range where we will be a little bit more comfortable, and uh, we will continue that uh, that uh, strategy because I think that uh, both works really well, and. We don't want to reduce uh, the development uh, expenses. Uh, we have seen some very good uh, advancement in our portfolio of uh, Greenfield Project. Uh, there's tremendous uh, opportunity in France uh, in the, and also in the U.S. And therefore, we think we're creating long-term value. But uh, given the fact that uh, we have been committed to uh, pay our dividend and increasing it uh, in the past, we want to make sure that uh, we have uh, the cash profile to, uh, to do so. And uh, I think our strategy is sound. 
and we have the means to deploy it. Okay, great. Uh, thank you. And then uh, you know, looking at the the cash profile of some of those projects, you, you mentioned the cash is is typically back-end loaded in these U.S. projects. And you've talked about a couple of potential stimulus mechanisms in the U.S. market, uh, carbon credits and tax equity. Can you talk to me about which you would prefer and, and maybe uh, which one the wind industry would prefer if the wind industry is lobbying one way or another? It would seem to me that uh, maybe carbon credits would offer more uh, revenue streams for your existing assets, maybe provide a better uh, terminal value. How, how are you thinking about, about the U.S. market and, and stimulus? It's a complex uh, question, Rupert. Uh, do we like the tax equity? Do we like the, the, the PTC? Yes. Is it complicated? Uh, very, very, very complicated. So if there is a, a, a system where we would not have to rely on tax equity provider i.e. if there's a, a, a carbon credit, uh, a federal carbon credit, uh, a little bit like what we had in the past here in, uh, in Canada, the Eco Energy, if you remember, Rupert, yeah. that would be uh, freeing uh, the structure of tax equity and it would make uh, lawyers probably sad because uh, lawyers and bankers are making a lot of money with the tax equity these days. Um, but yeah, if, if there's a, a transparent and long-term commitment on having some kind of a carbon uh, incentive paying directly to, to the project, that would be probably the best. One other aspect that the uh, wind industry is lobbying is the cash grant. Uh, we've seen that in the past. Um, it's uh, it, it's a, a system where uh, the PTC uh, is well, looks more like the ITC at, at the end of the day because it's uh, it's a direct uh, cash grant given to the project instead of uh, going through a tax equity provider that could uh, uh, deduct uh, this uh, uh, tax deduction on its own uh, income tax uh, payment. So that would also be a little bit more flexible and and friendly to the to the developer. Uh, but we can live and we have learned to live with the PTC and the ITC as we, um, as we know them uh, right now. Uh, like I said, uh, a lot of work, a lot of fees around these uh, structure. But on the other end, uh, this is very friendly to our industry. We're getting to have 2.5 cents U.S. indexed uh, on, on these projects. So, you know, it's more than half of the total revenue needed to develop a project uh, in the United States. So one has to be happy also to have that, although it's complicated. Uh, I think it's very, very positive for the industry at the end of the day. Well, thanks for the color. I'll leave it there. Thank you. Your next question comes from Mark Charvey of CIBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Thanks. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, first question, just on the, on the debt side of things. I'm just wondering if there's any opportunity to uh, refinance or repay any higher interest rate debt out there, maybe use surplus cash or, or capacity in a credit facility to, uh, to ease some of that interest expense. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I think Jean-François mentioned it last time. 
we have one easy target, which is, uh, we, we call it the AMP loan. Yeah. Uh, we had postponed this reimbursement given the, uh, the COVID crisis uh, uh, last spring. Uh, it was planned to be repaid out of the proceeds of Hydro-Quebec, but uh, given the opportunity to uh, start Griffin Trail, and just wanted to be a little bit more conservative depending on how the pandemic would have evolved, we had postponed this uh, repayment. But uh, for 2021, it's definitely a target uh, yes. uh, easy, uh, that's an easy, uh, I would say, uh, fruit to, uh, to pick. And always looking into how we can uh, re, uh, refinance uh, some of our assets, but there's not a ton of opportunity there. The, lo the, the next one could be uh, Montaner. Yes. That we could look at, but uh, we're not at this stage for now. So. And, yeah. and, and remember that we, we still have, we have now 16 or 17 assets, uncumbered assets in our basket. So, given the fact that we have also been renewing PPA with uh, some of these assets, especially in Quebec, hydro in Quebec, and uh, so, so we might see some opportunity there with potentially a green bond as well uh, to replace some of our uh, uh, corporate uh, facility. Uh, so we're looking into into the, those, uh, and given the fact that the, the market seems to be hungry also for these type of, uh, of product, uh, we might be opportunistic uh, down the road to look into those. Okay. And then my second question is just around uh, renewable energy credits and just wondering, you know, when you see a project like Hillcrest, just you sort of view again on, on where rec pricing could go and, you know, as you think about more solar projects, either PJM or, or, or ERCOT, how much do you guys assume that there's upward pressure on rec pricing and can you remind us again whether or not you guys keep all that benefit or do you share any with your off-taker? In the case of Yilcrest, we uh, we were sharing it with our um, uh, off-taker uh, in Griffin Trail, and uh, I don't want to have uh, Ford. I can't remember exactly how we share it with Ford, but Griffin Trail, of course, we, we, we have 100% of it. And in the future, uh, development that we're doing in, in solar market uh, in, in the U.S., like I said, we'll see how Biden's um, uh, new policy uh, will drive those markets. But I think they'll be under pressure, these markets, if, uh, if we if U.S. join the Paris Accord, uh, the Paris uh, Accord, how you eh? L'accord de Paris in French, it says it's, it's, it's a little bit easier for me. Uh, we'll, we'll see some pressure on, on those prices for sure. And, and you know, regional differences in pricing is, you know, does happen in the U.S. market. Does that inform your views of where you want to do more solar in the U.S. market, with giving that optionality, or do you just, you know, rather go in with just better initial contract terms? Well, if we have the opportunity, uh, and I don't want to. Uh, disclosed, but we we have been successful now to ne negotiate the PPA, uh, a, a term sheet for a PPA for uh, a little bit uh, over 100 megawatt in the states. Um, it's it's conditional, of course, of all the permitting, and it's in a you know a very early stage. But uh, I think that uh, we'll see also uh, 
that will come with the same thing. If, if there's a pressure on renewable credits, there will also be pressure on off-taker to secure long-term PPA that could include those. And I think that uh, we've seen we've seen a lot of pressure on pricing over the uh, on the downside uh, over the last uh, few years in the state for PPA and off-taker. But somehow I think that trend might change a little bit. And uh, of course, in 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 big markets like Aircot, where probably easier to develop project that might not be the case or 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 the pressure uh, on the upper side might be a little bit lower but in place like uh, PGM Ohio Illinois and stuff like that where it's not that easy to develop project and so we think that the available project uh, might not be that plenty considering the potential uh, need for off-taker to secure long-term PPA. So uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm starting to be more positive about the pricing, especially on solar in, in the United States going forward. Okay, that's great detail. Thank you, Michelle. That's all the questions I had. Thank you. Your next question comes from Ben Fan of BMO. Please go ahead. Hello, Ben. Uh, thanks. Good. Hey, good morning. I, I wanted to uh, touch base on the some of the scope uh, uh, reshaping of the the Innovec uh, debt, and I'm I'm wondering. Uh, I know you pay down debt each year on your hydro assets, uh, but you look at the trends we're seeing with your lenders. You getting the sense that that maybe you can uh, re reshape a lot of the debt in the years ahead that you can keep leverage on a bit. Bit more than than what you expected in the past. That's a <laughs> that's a very good uh, and uh, that's a good question, uh, Ben. It'd be difficult to do it uh, on on project finance uh, specifically, but if you if if we look at our corporate total corporate exposure, uh, that strategy could be applied, Ben, because in a sense. Uh, especially with our our uh, hydro portfolio, if we are repaying debt uh, on a on a much faster pace than the uh, than the, the the life of the asset or the life of the PPA or the life of the PPA, uh, one could think that um, there's some room uh, to 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 uh, to restructure some kind of a corporate uh, co- corporate loan. Uh, but it's too early to 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 um, to be firm on this. But we will definitely be looking at, into this. And same goes with the tax equity structure, as you uh, as we mentioned. Uh, our tax equity uh, is treated like uh, a project debt in our in our books, and they're forecasted to be fully repaid in uh, in in ten years or so. And uh, some of our assets will be lasting for 25, 30 years, 35 years, perhaps in solar. So there's some definitely some room there where, at the end of the year 10, or theoretically on the forecast basis, on year 10 you you, you don't have any any debt anymore. So uh, there's potentially opportunity to restructure some kind of a total leverage at the corporate level that represent a more or more regular uh, type of uh, refinancing or, or financing. Okay. Um, 
I was wondering also the the site the site C project probably a low uh, probability of it being canceled. There's there's some musing about it in the press. Uh, can you comment on if let's just say uh, it does get canceled? Does does BC need more power and uh, does your prospective portfolio position you for that? Well, that's uh, that's uh, a shame to have to to see what's happening in site C. Uh, the independent uh, industry were cautious when the, the decision was put forward and had a proposal, an alternative proposal from small hydro to wind farm to biomass. Uh, that could have been probably a lot more competitive than what we know now about Site C. Now, it's difficult to, to understand uh, what will be the decision of uh, both the government and the hydro, but my understanding of the geotech uh, challenge over there is not an easy task, uh, and it will cost money. Uh, so we'll see how they will deal with it, but if ever they decide to cancel it, um, I think that uh, this will be a good opportunity for IPP to come back and, uh, and fill the gap. Now, what I'm a little bit disappointed in BC is the lack of uh, determination to switch from uh, fuel uh, eating, uh, well, using fuel to eat the houses in BC towards uh, going and electrified uh, BC, uh, BC houses. Uh, we have seen some, uh, some uh, willingness from the federal to help, but we have yet to see how BC Hydro will embrace uh, those proposals there's a tremendous uh, uh, opportunity uh, to have more electricity being sold to individuals in BC if uh, they replace natural gas for heating. Same, same goes with uh, the rest of Canada and, and Ontario. Quebec has done that in the past successfully, and there's only a few percentage of the houses in Quebec that, has been, that are been uh, heated by natural gas. So I think, in a way, for Canada to meet their future target, this is a very easy target: is to switch from natural gas and put more heat pump in uh, in the system. And the federal government has been uh, uh, positive about uh, these programs. And I think, frankly, this is uh, an easy solution for Canada. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ladies and gentlemen, if there are any additional questions at this time, please press the star followed by the one. As a reminder, if you are using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing the keys. Your next question comes from Naji Bedun of Industrial Alliance Securities. Please go ahead. Hi, uh, good Hello. morning. Good morning. Uh, just wanted to go back to a comment you made earlier about uh, renewing uh, PPAs in Quebec. I, I think you have about you know, 100 megawatts total of, of hydro between Quebec and Chile that are going to be um, coming off their PPAs by next year. Uh, have you renewed the um, PPAs in Quebec and for the Chile facilities? Are you comfortable running those on a merchant basis going forward? Yeah, that's a good point. In Quebec, we, we have renewed the Chaudière, Saint-Paulin, Windsor. We have yet to uh, renew Paul Neuf and SM1. Um, 
so those are, uh, Palneuf is only 26 megawatt, and SM1, uh, the initial one is 7 megawatts. So it's not a huge exposure there. Uh, in Chile, um, we have, when we bought Dukeko, uh, there were some existing PP in place, and they are uh, going to uh, end by 2022. Uh, but we are actively renegotiating PPA. There's a active market in uh, in Chile uh, right now. The market for five to seven years PPA range anywhere between 43 to 47 dollar per uh, per megawatt hour. And the big question in Chile, as I mentioned, is um, when are going to uh, when are the uh, coal plant will be shut down uh, right now like i said the lower chamber has uh, proposed a law to uh, shut them down by 2025 i think it's a little bit aggressive because chile would have to turn around very quickly to uh, uh, to change their portfolio of, uh, of how to produce the electricity um, so I, I think that the customer are getting uh, a little bit more nervous past 2025, 2026. So pricing that we're seeing up to 2025, 26 are in the range of mid 40 ish US, fully indexed. And 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 also there's another component in Chile uh, that we we forget, but uh, the Chilean. Uh, uh, operator uh, uh, of the system is providing capacity payment also. So Dukeko is benefiting from uh, capacity payment in the range of 15 to 20% of its total revenue. So it's even though you could be merchant in Chile, you can have a, a certain portion of your uh, of your uh, total revenue that are based on capacity payment from government uh, agencies. Uh, but like I said, we're aggressively looking for renewing uh, PPA, and, and we do uh, sign PPA. Those are sometimes smaller PPA, you know, 50 uh, gigawatt, 25 gigawatt, but they're adding up. And the right now, up to 2024-5, we're uh, we're fully booked at 80-ish, 80, 80-ish uh, percent uh, PPA, and, and still looking to uh, top uh, top that. That's, that's very helpful. Thank you. Just uh, one last question for me on Chile. Um, I guess your development pipeline today in the country is more hydro heavy. What's your strategy to uh, sourcing more maybe wind or solar prospects to uh, to develop some uh, maybe on-site projects for, for industrial customers? Yeah, we in, in Chile, there's a there's a uh, there's a lot of solar projects that have uh, been um, Develop or advance to certain uh, certain stages. So there's an active uh, market there for M&A on very early stage project that uh, we want to participate. Uh, and it's just a matter of uh, matching uh, the price of those uh, versus developing our own. Uh, so the team over there is is looking into this. We have in the last uh, year or so been active in. Uh, in looking into existing facilities that were caught between, uh, unfortunately, the, the the price that uh, went down and their uh, uh, banking facility. 
So there's an active M&A uh, activities over there that is generated by uh, banks that have uh, repossess or in the or in the the midst of repossessing some asset. So th this is an active market and in 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 uh, easy I wouldn't say easy, uh, but a quicker uh, access to solar, and that's what we've done in in uh, the case of Salvador. But we're active in in bidding in in some other uh, facility, and I think we'll be successful in in a few of those. But uh, same with wind, uh, we have a small portfolio of wind uh, data site that we are uh, also uh, uh, I would say uh, we also advance. Um, but the M&A market is very, very active in Chile because a lot of projects were financed when the price of electricity was in a range of $80, $90 uh, per megawatt hour. And now with the range of 45 ish uh, of course, the economics uh, are not favorable for these uh, old projects or not that old projects, the projects that uh, are five, six years old are, you know, are suffering uh, right now, and I think there's a great opportunity for us to get there. That's a great detail. Thank you, Michel. Sure. Mrs. Vachon, there are no further questions at this time. Thank you, and thank you, everyone, for joining us today. We'll talk to you at our next conference call in February. Thank you very much. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, you may now disconnect may your line. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.